Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Keith back again from uncontrolledopposition.com to continue the reading of Rulers of Evil by F. Tupper Saucy. And uh, we're going to be starting on Chapter 5 again. And I, I just want to apologize for the, uh, the video or the audio quality in the last uh, two videos, or the last two audios, excuse me. And... Um, I have several headphones here, and one of them, I had been informed that um, it was uh, it was it did have a problem with it, but it was actually the the higher quality headphones, and uh, so I quit using it for a while and went to a cheaper headset. And I just don't like the sound quality of the cheaper headset. So the last recording uh, had. Um, there is that is the more expensive set of headphones, uh, the higher quality, and uh, but there's um, there's period, periodic static, uh, and it's pretty harsh. Okay, and uh, I just want to apologize, and I'm not going to I'm not ready to redo that at this point. I'm just trying to really just get through this book and finish reading this book. And I thought, well, while I'm reading the book, why not go ahead and make a recording? of it and and uh, have it available uh, for uh, people to listen to uh, here on TalkShoe and perhaps uh, even making uh, a YouTube video or something like that out of it. And uh, as I said in the first, uh, the first recording, part one, I have a friend, um, uh, Yerk Glisman, and he is reading the, the book. He actually started reading the book before I did, and uh, I don't mean to be... Uh, mimicking him or, or anything like that uh, that's uh, if uh, if he would happen to uh, listen to this I wouldn't want him to think that and like I said um, uh, he has uh, his YouTube channel is joggler 66 and, uh, and then I think he has one that's uh, jogglers war on disinfo but um, he's a, he's an excellent reader now he's he's from Germany uh, or he has a uh, somewhat um, of a, um, a German accent or uh, I believe he lives he, he lives in Belgium but anyway uh, you can listen to him I encourage you to listen to and watch some of his videos and uh, you can listen to him as well and like I said I don't mean to be duplicating what he's doing or mocking or anything like that um, he knows that I'm reading the book and um, we've been fellowshipping here a little bit recently and uh, but he he doesn't know that I decided to go ahead and start uh, doing a recording of the reading uh, because that's something I just uh, I just did today and I was really kind of having trouble reading the book in the first place and of course I this is related to the the organized stalking uh, that I've talked about and the electronic harassment 
electronic targeting, and uh, that's a story for another day. Okay, and um, but this uh, this has to do with them using um, uh, advanced technologies to uh, disrupt and manipulate and influence and and uh, confuse and sleep deprivation and a number of things uh, to keep people from accomplishing uh, what they're trying to accomplish for good and instigating them in a lot of ways uh, to do evil, okay? But um, if we stay in prayer and stay close to the Lord, stay in the Word and trust in Him, then I believe that He will help us accomplish his will, and if he wants me to read this book, and um, whether it's for the benefit of anyone else or for my own therapeutic uh, needs, and um, which is, um, that's one of the main reasons, that primarily is probably the, the, the reason why I'm doing it, is for my, is essentially for my own needs, because um, you know, in this uh, system of organized stalking, and I don't, I don't want to wear this out, take away from the content of this book. But um, when we, when we understand who the evil is in the world, who's behind everything, it actually is going to give us a clear picture of where this persecution is coming from, whether it be organized stalking, electronic harassment. Uh, isolation, rejection, slander, uh, you name it. It's, um, it's going to help us understand better where that's coming from. But um, So anyway, let's go ahead and, and get back to the book here. And I think that's... Um, I think I've uh, covered pretty much the basics of... It seems like I had a train of thought there that kind of slipped away from me. But anyway, uh, this is the book Rulers of Evil by H. Tupper, or uh, F. Tupper Saucy. And um, well, one thing, let me say, okay, I, I'm just going to read a, probably just one chapter and, uh, and then stop this recording and then check the quality, check the audio again. I don't want to continue down the road, too far down the road, if, I'm, if I continue to have audio problems. So I'll read this chapter, and then I'll pause and check quality, and then come back, and, um, and then we'll continue if the, if the sound quality is okay. So chapter 5 from Rulers of Evil by F. Tupper Saucy. Title of the chapter, Appointment at Cyprus. His name was... Inigo, and his name was Inigo de Loyola. His name was Inigo, Inigo. His name was Inigo de Loyola. He was born in 1491 to a rich family, youngest of eight boys, one of 13 children. His older brother had sailed to the New World with Christopher Columbus. Amazing. I did not know that. His younger brother, his older brother had sailed to the New World with Christopher Columbus. We're talking about Ignatius 
Loyola. Okay. Inigo served as a page in the court of King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain. He became friends with Ferdinand, Ferdinand's Belgian grandson, Charles Habsburg, whose other grandfather was Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian. The Holy Roman Emperor was a kind, was a kind of secular pope who presided over the Christian king, kingdoms of the Western world. Charles was propelled to great authority before his 21st birthday by the deaths of his two grandfathers within a space of two years. From Ferdinand, Charles inherited Spain. From Maximilian, he inherited the Holy Roman Empire. Charles Habsburg was King Charles I of Spain, Emperor Charles V of Rome. He was the most powerful secular figure in Europe, and he was Inigo's friend. In 1518, Inigo was part of a legation negotiating for, Char- negotiating for Charles with Spain's traditional rival, France, at the court of the Duke of Najira in Valladolid. While the summit was in session, Katharina, the emperor's sister, was presented to the Najira court, and Yigo fell in love with her. He was 27, and she was 11. The emperor was 18. The match, however, was not to be. On Monday, May 20, 1521, while commanding a garrison at the Duke's fortress in Pamplona, Inigo was struck by a French cannonball. His right leg was shattered, and with it, since all well-shaped leg was among a since a well uh, since a well-shaped leg was among a courtier a courtier's most prized asset, the prospect for a romantic life with Katharina or any other woman were gone. An honor guard of French soldiers bore the wounded champion on a stretcher to his family's castle in the in the Spanish Pyrenees. Surgeon, surgeons butchered his leg and reset the bones. He lost appetite and was told he might die. He made confession and was given last rites. But a few days later, after the feast of St. Peter and Paul, he was pronounced out of death's immediate grasp. He credited this recovery to his devotion to St. Peter. Inigo remained bedridden for nearly a year. Under the concerned, if distant, eye of the youthful emperor, he spent his time searching for substitutes for the shattered ideals, ambitions, and values that had been so central to his sense of himself. He gazed obsessively at a small icon of St. Catherine, a gift from Queen Isabella to his sister-in-law. The icon sparked dreams of Katharina, which only throttled his heart with desolation. He turned to books, Ludolf of Saxony's Life of Christ and Borogene's Lives of the Saints. 
the only two volumes in the family's library, despite the fact that a Spanish Bible had been available for 40 years. The icon and the books gave him visions. The visions, in turn, led him to develop a process of preparing and disposing the soul to rid itself of all inordinate attachments and, after their removal, of seeking and finding the will of God. And Yigo called this process the spiritual exercises. In the exercises, a director leads a retreatant through four weeks of intense prayer, meditation, and dialogue with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Jesus, and God the Father. Frequent repetition of Anima Christi, Loyola's own habitual prayer for disorientation and sensory deprivation, Blood of Christ, inebriate me, Okay, that's that's the essentially the the summary of the prayer, which is in parentheses here. Blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, inebriate me, which means drunken me. But that's okay. That's who Ignatius Loyola is. Okay, he's he's a a sociopath by um, by any uh, determination. So uh, let's go back again. Uh, Anima Christi, Loyola's own habitual prayer for disorientation and sensory deprivation, blood of Christ, inebriate me, is advised. The first week is spent considering and contemplating sins, creating vivid mental pictures of hell in all its depth and breadth, putting your five senses at the service of your imagination. The second week explores the life of Christ up to Palm Sunday. Inclusively, the third week undertakes the crucifixion in which the retreatant is directed to, quote, imagine Christ our Lord present before you on the cross and begin to speak with him and ask, what have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What ought I do What ought I to do for Christ? The fourth week is occupied with the resurrection and ascension, after which the retreatant prays, quote, for a knowledge of the deceits of the rebel chief and help to guard myself against them, and also to ask for a knowledge of the true life exemplified in the sovereign and true commander, and the grace to imitate him. And a true commander, the commander there is in uh, caps. So I assume that he's referring to Jesus Christ there. Hold on one second.
Okay, thank you for the uh, the pause there. I had uh, had a feather in my throat and I uh, had to get a little refreshment. So continuing on the next paragraph, by the time the exercises have run their course, the retreatant's purified imagination is totally dominated by mental pictures of Jesus resurrected. Jesus, the King Militant. One can now answer the King's call to conquer Protestantism and its rebel chief, the enemy of human nature, with the selfless fidelity of a chivalrous knight. One's, cons- one's, conscience- one's consciousness has been altered. Okay, that's a statement. One's consciousness has been altered. One's soul and brain have been washed. One's liberty has been sacrificed to authority. One's individuality has been surrendered to the Christ of Rome. One no longer has a will of his own. One volunteers for any assigned task, no matter how adverse. Martin Luther spent Loyola's year of recovery imprisoned at Wartburg Castle, at Wartburg Castle for insulting the papacy with his 95 thesis. Remarkably, while one prisoner experienced mystical visions that urged him to defend the church's honor in the romantically chival- chivalrous manner of the Knights Templar, the other was translating, with the miraculous permission of his keepers, the New, the New Testament into German so that ordinary people might learn the will of God directly. These parallel simultaneous quests for holiness would define modern life's underlying conflict. Which master do I serve, Rome or the Word of God? And um, that's a very compelling uh, concept there, a very uh, far-reaching synopsis and summary that um, these two individuals that the author here, F. Tupper Saucy, is referring to, and these two uh, these two paradigms, Martin Luther returning to the Word of God uh, and um, essentially uh, starting the Protestant Reformation, and then at the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Ignatius Loyola in his spiritual exercises and making himself void of all self to serve the papacy who essentially is a turning away from God. Although, as we read in some of the previous chapters there, it sounds rather legitimate, I guess, because he talks about this devotion and and, and uh, contemplating on, on the cross and of Christ and what have you. But see, the one thing about it that people often fail to miss is that Christ is no longer hanging on a cross. 
See, it's only in the Catholic Church, well, I'm not just there, but primarily in the Catholic Church that demonstrates that Christ essentially, or subtly, what they're subtly saying is that Christ is still dead, that he's still hanging on the cross, but he's, he's actually sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's reigning over the whole universe. He is risen, and of course, for the true believer, he lives in us because we are the temple, the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is his spirit the spirit of the Father and the Son. Okay, so let's continue on. Purified by the spiritual exercises, Inigo's sensual attachment to Princess Katharina was transformed through St. Catherine into a higher spiritual attachment to a higher femininity, to Mary, the Queen of Heaven. An apparition of the Virgin appeared to him one night and validated that he was free of fleshly lust and was now worthy of a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In Martin Luther's opinion, as far as God is concerned, Jerusalem and all the Holy Land are not one whit more or less interesting than the cows in Switzerland. But to a scriptural warrior preparing to lead the church to war against scripture, a touchdown in Jerusalem was absolutely necessary. Jerusalem was the domain of King Solomon's temple, the geo-spiritual center of the Knights Templar. If Inigo was to revive the Templars as the emperor desired, it was liturgically imperative that his, new, that his newly washed spirit present itself in the sacred city for initiation into the mysteries of holy warfare. All pilgrims to the Holy Land were required by law to apply to the Pope at Easter for permission to proceed. In early March 1522, more than a year in advance, Inigo set out for Rome at all his aristocratic finery, riding on the back of a mule. Well, isn't that interesting? Just a comment from myself here. Well, of course, we know that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a mule or on a donkey, okay? So it's essentially uh, about the same thing. Uh, but anyway, so continuing on, the corrupt Leo X had died suddenly of malaria in December 1521, and on January 9th, 15, 15, pardon me just a second.
Okay, let me start that paragraph over. I may not be able to read much more. Like I said, this is the first day that I've begun this reading, and uh, and my vocal cords may not be um, they may not be accustomed to this um, uh, this uh, lengthy uh, lengthy uh, reading. <clears throat> Pardon me. All pilgrims to the Holy Land were required by law to apply to the Pope at Easter for, for permission to proceed. In early March 1522, more than a year in advance, Inigo set out for Rome in all his aristocratic finery, riding on the back of a mule. The corrupt Leo X had died suddenly of malaria in December 1521, and on January 9, 1522, Charles Habsburg, king and emperor, had engineered the nearly nearly unanimous election of his former tutor, Adrian Dadao, to secede Leo as Adrian VI. Inigo headed for Rome, coincidentally, with Adrian's journey across Spain to Barcelona, the point of embarkation for voyages to Italy. The new pope stopped in Navarre in in northern Spain for an official reception by the Duke of Najira's successor. Inigo, too, stopped at Navarre to do some undescribed business at the Duke's residence in Navarrete. Perhaps Adrian gave him a discreet audience. Further on, the pilgrim kept an all-night vigil at a chapel of the Virgin of Aranzazu, protectress of the Bosque, vowing his chastity to her small, dark statue. He continued on to Montserrat, where he lodged in a, in a Benedictine abbey. There, he read the he rededicated himself to God's service. There, he rededicated himself to God's service before another statue of the Virgin, the Black Madonna of Montserrat, protectress of Catalonia, patroness of Christian conquest. The spiritual exercise here must have been intense. For in the late afternoon of the third day, Inigo traded clothes with a beggar, hung his sword and dagger on the Madonna's shrine, and gave his mule to the abbey. While Adrian VI proceeded on to Barcelona, Inigo detoured on foot to the village of Manresa for ten months of penances spiritual preparation, and note-taking. Stripped of everything but sackcloth, a gourd for drinking, and a pilgrim's staff, he adopted the lifestyle of the early Knights Templar, begging food and alms. He was initiated into the Illuminati, and they have that in italics. He was initiated into the Illuminati, the Enlightened Ones, a secret society of Gnostic fundamentalists who preached that all matter is absolutely 
and eternally evil. The Gnostics taught that humanity itself is a satanic origin. Adam and Eve were the offspring of devils. Humanity can achieve salvation from death and eternal punishment. However, by freeing soul from body for absorption into the pure light of godliness. Okay, let me read that again. The Gnostics taught that humanity itself is a satanic origin. Adam and Eve were the offspring of devils. Humanity can achieve salvation from death and eternal punishment, however, by freeing soul from body for absorption into the pure light of godliness. Okay, this is just pure Gnosticism. Okay, continuing, it says, This is done by withdrawing from sensual pleasure and intuitively discovering hidden truths as as conveyed by the Kabbalah. The Gnostics contempt for anything having to do with the physical side of of existence translated into wildly ironic behavior. Some practice radical celibacy because they believed the result of sexual intercourse, conception, would only imprison more souls in physical bodies. Others practiced unbridled sexual libertinism in order to prove they were completely free from all physical inhibition. Still others combined the two, pursuing hypocritical lives of celibate fornication, of which safe sex is the modern institution. Loyola's particular cult apparently chose the asceticism of self-flagellation. For Inigo wondered many nights about the Manresa countryside, whipping himself with a scourge studded with iron barbs. Later in life, he would decide that the whips and barbs sapped one's strength, that the Godhead could as adequately be sought by the more humane self-mortification of the spiritual exercises. And, of course, a lot of these things that the author is talking about here are still, in large degree, uh, practiced within the Roman Catholic Church. Now, not so much here in the United States and perhaps uh, the leading countries of, uh, of Europe, but in some of the, um, the more oppressed uh, nations, uh, Catholic nations, uh, self-flagellation and uh, some of these other things are still being practiced. And, of course, we know that, um, that the, the Catholic Church, uh, even uh, as the Bible says, that they suppress uh, marriage. In other words, they consider uh, the relationship, the intimate relationship between a man and a woman, which is ordained by God, they consider that essentially to be a bad thing. 
And uh, of course, um, that's actually how they manipulate a lot of people is because of removing that that um, that ordained uh, desire and uh, part of the uh, human nature by removing that uh, from humanity in various degrees and, and ways they are they are able to manip- manipulate uh, you know just like the priest that can't marry and what have you well what they do is they end up they end up turning to other means of of satisfaction which is uh, you know one reason why there's a high a high um, such a high level of uh, sodomy in the priest uh, the priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church so anyway continuing on it says while Inigo was outlining the exercises in Manresa Luther translated the New Testament Luther's translation of the New Testament was introducing readers and listeners in Germany Switzerland France Bohemia and England to a different form of spiritual exercise one in which God's will ancient and immutable, was expressed within the private imagination, but publicly in the printed word for all to see. People devoured the New Testament even before it reached the bindery. In one contemporary's words, quote, the sheet yet wet was brought from the press under someone's cloak and passed from shop to shop. So these people had such a strong desire for the Word of God that essentially it was um, the ink had the ink had yet to dry before before it had reached uh, the reader's hands. Okay, continuing, the pilgrim sailed from Barcelona to the Italian port city of. Gaeta, and walked the remaining distance to Rome. Now we're talking, we're back talking about uh, Ignatius or Inigo. The pilgrim sailed from Barcelona to the Italian port city of Gaeta and walked the remaining distance to Rome, arriving there on Palm Sunday, March 29, 1523. Two days later, according to Vatican archives, Inigo de Loyola, cleric of the, the diocese the diocese, cleric of the diocese, the diocese, should know how to pronounce that better, cleric of the diocese of Pamplona received permission from Pope Adrian VI to visit Jerusalem. From Rome, Inigo proceeded to Venice, where one of Charles Habsburg's agents received him graciously and introduced him to the dog, Andrea Gritti, the highest official in Venetian civil government. A famed diplomat and linguist, Gritti arranged free passage for Inigo aboard a small ship whose name, the Negrona, was appropriate for an evangelist dedicating, dedicated to the Black Virgin of Christian conquest. 
and of course we know in Latin that ne- uh, negro is uh, is black, if um, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so continuing on July 14, 1523, the Negrona left Venice, arriving a month later at the island of Cyprus. At Cyprus, one Diego Manes and his servant, along with several Cypriot officials, boarded ship for the rest of the voyage to Haifa. Diego Manes was a commander of the Knights Hospitallers of St. John of Jerusalem. Since 1312, the Hospitallers had held title to the vast wealth of the Knights Templar. They had been drawing upon these assets to defend the Roman economy against Islamic marauders in the east. But when the Turks attacked the Hospitallers' headquarters on the island of Rhodes, the assets were frozen by the Pope and his former pupil, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles. No assistance in any form was forthcoming from either party. Consequently, in December 1522, the the Hospitallers had no choice but to surrender Rhodes and retreat to what would become their final domicile, Malta. The message was clear. Now that Luther's German language, New Testament, was in print, Protestantism loomed a greater menace to Rome than Islam ever did. It is possible that in a Jerusalem-bound ship named Negrona, Commander Diego Manes turned over the litany's list, secret codes, formulae, Kabbalah, and other portable assets comprising the Knights Templar resources to Inigo. If this, in, if this indeed happened, the Western world's secret infrastructure was now Loyola's to populate and manipulate in the cause of learning against learning. This is my hypothesis. What is not hypothesis is that as soon as the pilgrim returned from Jerusalem, he began vesting himself with Medici learning. The idea of uniting the Templars with the Hospitallers was first argued publicly in a book published in 1305 by Raymond Lule, a renowned Illuminatus from Majorca. Lull's book, Libre Define, Libre Define, Free at Last, appeared in the midst of a raging controversy between the French monarchy and the Roman papacy over who held jurisdiction over the Templars. That is the subject of our next chapter. And so that's the uh, that's the end of that chapter, and I'm going to go ahead and conclude this recording. I thank you for listening. Again, this is Keith with UncontrolledOpposition.com, and uh, my website or blog is UncontrolledOpposition.com, and of course Elijah1757.wordpress.com is another. That's actually my first blog, and uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Keith Campshaper. And um, so I thank you for listening, and I hope that you'll continue to listen uh, to these recordings and share those uh, with others if you find um, the the, uh, information interesting. 
and uh, share them about on Facebook or here on TalkShoe and and elsewhere. So thank you for listening, and uh, you have a, a wonderful day. God bless you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.